Big changes to the existing security clearance and vetting system are supposed to be right around the corner. Consistent automated records checks, otherwise known as continuous vetting, will completely replace those periodic reinvestigations clearance holders went through once every five years or so. Industry is excited by the coming policy changes, but contractors say they want access to some of that information, especially if it might inform their own insider threat programs. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to break down this tricky policy, privacy and legal questions government and industry are debating. And that is a sticky one, isn't it? Because uh, industry could use some of that information. I hadn't thought of that angle. Let's start with what is the big problem here? What is industry trying to solve? Well, there are several thousand cleared defense contractors. And per, I think, actually, Obama administration policy, and this is something that contractors have been working on for years to set up, these companies are supposed to have their own insider threat programs. Again, if they're part of part of the cleared defense industrial base. And, you know, these companies, they do their own research, they develop their own programs, and, you know, government works with them, obviously, to, you know, meet mission priorities. And, you know, the argument that we're hearing from these companies is that we don't want our information, our employees to be harmed or exposed in, you know, however you might want to think about it either. Kevin Phillips is the president of Mantech, and I think he breaks down the problem pretty well here. So whether you expect me to or not, I have to protect information. Congress expects me to, the executive branch expects me to. So I'm asking how do we get the information so I can do my job or expect the people within my company to do our job. That's the request, right? We also have people on site who have access to data and they have access to enduring secrets. Yet we don't get information from people on site if their behaviors are bad because they can't be shared. We interviewed Edward Snowden. We didn't hire him, but there were no bad indicators. How do you think that makes me feel as a CEO? Bad. We interviewed Harold Martin. We didn't hire him. There were no bad indicators. Bad. We can't have that as a community. We just can't. That's one lucky guy <laughs> looking at the people he avoided. But that's an interesting point. It's almost like medical data. What is the holdup and why wouldn't the government share this information? Well, I think there's a, a couple things going on here, Tom. I mean, one, you know, agencies themselves are not, I mean, it varies across the board. The intelligence community has a well-established insider threat program. The Defense Department does. You know, if you were to ask some other agency, the Education Department, for example, what their insider threat program is like, I think they might have a different answer. So there's a different culture that varies depending on each agency. Each agency has their own way of looking at this problem altogether. They have different repositories and systems for collecting and keeping information about the contractors that they employ. And to Kevin Phillips's point, I mean, you know, I think what companies want to see is if our people who we have hired are at your site and you see something, you should say something to us because that will ultimately help us, help you. I think that's the general argument here. The other piece of this is the perception of the Privacy Act of 1974. And we hear about this constantly when you look at those performance.gov updates about how government is doing with setting up those insider threat programs. They always talk about the Privacy Act. And I think that prevents agencies, or at least agencies say it prevents them from sharing more information with industry. Betsy Ames is a Privacy and Civil Liberties Counsel for the CIA. 
each agency is going to have a different system of record notice, and each agency is going to have a different routine use that's going to apply to those um, systems that they have. And the insider threat information, depending on the agency, some will have an insider threat system of record notice. Other agencies will just have a personnel security notice. Some will just use an SF-86 notice. Um, right? We're also pulling in human resources information, which might be subject to its own notice. So you kind of have this um, right, a disparity among agencies and how they're doing this information and how they're handling it. And that's Betsy Ames, Privacy and Civil Liberties Counsel for the CIA. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And with respect to continuous evaluation, is it really ready for prime time? Well, that's, I think, another good point because, you know, the ODNI, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, the Defense Department, they are well established at this point in using continuous evaluation. And we're going to see a big expansion of CE or continuous vetting, whatever you want to call it, I think in the coming year or so. It's going to be an administration priority as soon as we get that uh, memo signed from President Trump, this will be the lay of the land. And so I think the other difficulty that industry and government is grappling with is that there's so much information that you could possibly collect. How do you look at that information, find, pick the needle out of the haystack and say, hey, look, this shows we're concerned about this person and we think their contractor, their employer should know about it. Perry Russell Hunter is the director of the Defense Office of Hearings and Appeals. The premise behind continuous evaluation was always that when we discovered something that was of significance, it would feed into an expandable focused investigation. And so that premise is important because we're not talking about information sharing of all information. So all information is not created equal. And, and I think that's the probably the, the, the best answer to, to Ben's absolutely correct point, point about the fact that we're already authorized to share information with industry. The real question is, should we? And that's Perry Russell Hunter, director of the Defense Office of Hearings and Appeals. And there's a lot of arcane questions, I guess, that go with this. For example, if you ingest information from financial systems or credit card reporting systems with financial troubles being an indicator of security possible issues. Can that go into a system of record, like freshly vetted federal data that is created by the government itself? That question comes up. That question comes up, as well as when you receive information, how quickly are you expected to share that with industry? That's another question, I think, that both parties are grappling with here. And, you know, as far as what the next steps are for this, I think we're at the point where government and industry are starting to coalesce around the idea that it's maybe less about the Privacy Act, it's less about the law, it's not a legal problem, it's more about the policies that they develop around the law that answer some of these questions. How quickly are we authorized to share information? Do we share everything? Do we share some things? Who chooses what we share with industry? Those are some of the questions that a legal working group is actually looking at, I think they're trying to develop answers to this. Of course, this is going to take a while. I mean, continuous evaluation, all these security clearance reforms that we've been talking about, Tom, you know, they're going to take a while too. And that's why industry is interested in solving this or getting this conversation started sooner rather than later. Because in theory, continuous vetting, continuous evaluation is supposed to be right around the corner. Yeah. And I think it's good that ultimately government agencies are conservative about how they approach the Privacy Act. 
But the fact is it does allow a lot of things that they may not want to exercise, just as HIPAA allows lots of information sharing sure. without the patient's consent or maybe their knowledge, but they don't have to They sign away the consent. You can drive trucks through holes in these kinds of laws. So good for government for being slow going on it, but there's probably more flexibility than they might feel they have. Yeah. And Tom, real quick, you brought up, I think, another good point. You know, does the does the person in question, what authority do they have? Do they authorize this information to be given out? Can they appeal, you know, the release of that information? What does that process look like? Again, another question that I think is going to have to be tackled here. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her stories on this at federalnewsnetwork.com. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.